0: Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you.
1: Good morning. We welcome you in Jesus' name. Can we greet our streaming family from inside the room? We've got a wonderful house today. Greetings in Jesus' name. Greetings in Jesus' name. I don't even know where to... Where to start? I'm so hopped up, as my dad would say. He's all hopped up on something. I'm so encouraged today. The Lord has been ministering to my heart all week, and he's just been giving me little winks and hugs. Does he do that with you? Just little just little manifestations of his favor. Just a little bit of surprise. A surprise here, a surprise there. Usually a surprise in the mail because of something I ordered on eBay. Isn't it good to go to the mailbox? There might be something in it other than a lawsuit. Amen. (laughs) I wasn't getting anything at the house. I remember an old preacher said, if you never did send a ship out, you're never going to get one back. so I realized I had to start ordering things again. Beloved... uh, In my Christian life, I've noticed that the most difficult things, the most difficult thing for a Christian to do is to accept that they are accepted. Ephesians 1.3 says, we are accepted in the beloved. But do you accept that you're accepted? course not that's why you're doing works in your mind all the time and that's why you're always contributing your sweat to every situation but this morning we're going to look at the benjamin generation and we can't get out of this revelation it's so deep i've fallen in and i can't get out and we're going to look at part four and we're going to again i just want to i just want to lay out if i could in all my preaching my entire life if i could just communicate this You're accepted. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you are accepted. It's done. It's finished. the battle's over. It has nothing to do with you. Your value is not based on what you feel. God, help us all. Remember when you were in your teen years? We couldn't base anything on what you felt. Every 30 seconds, you're feeling something different. Isn't it nice to know that it's Christ we look to in order to find the reality of our acceptance? You are accepted in the Beloved, whether you feel like it, whether you think like it, whether you just whether you believe it. I don't know that I believe that. Well, good for you. Like someone says, I I don't really know that. I believe I exist. Good for you. You exist. You'd have to exist to deny your existence. Bless your heart. Feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God. None else is worth believing, Martin Luther said. Can we just stay a minute in the presence of the Lord? Thank you, Father. Beloved, you are accepted by him completely. You can sit down and rest in his presence. You don't need to stand anymore and offer sacrifices that can never remove sin. You can be seated in the presence of your king. Lord, we pray a deep comfort to fall upon your children right now. Thank you, Jesus. I just speak Deuteronomy 33:12 12 over you. About Benjamin, he said, let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. I want to ask you today, are you standing or are you seated in your walk with the Lord? We've been looking at Benjamin, the youngest son of Jacob, and we've been mining out all kinds of practical applications concerning the men, women, boys, and girls who are being trained uh, for this move of God. We're standing on the brink of the greatest outpouring of God in human history. How are we going to recognize the servants? Well, they're Benjamin. You know who Benjamin is, you'll recognize. It doesn't matter if you're 90 or 19. The primary trait of Benjamin is his effortless position seated on the neck of God. When the Lord Jesus would go find a lost sheep, he would take it and he would place it around his neck and never was that little lamb closer to the shepherd than when sitting on his neck. Just like a father will put his babies on his neck. I did that with all my babies. Remember the feeling of those little hands Right? And the little bit huge diapers. And then you haul them up and put them in there. And they're crying. But when they get up there and you grab their little baby hands, now they've got a view of the world second to none. They transcend their father. They hold. Oh, in my case, all my hair was removed due to my children grasping. <laughs> Trying to hold on. Right? And then they blindfold you. And you go, hey, 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 right? I remember the feeling. Do you, when you were young, do you remember what it was like to be on daddy or mommy's shoulders? You were sitting on the high place. Oh, and they were doing all the walking. In fact, they were doing everything. All you had to do is weave and pull at an eye. <laughs> <coughs> My daughter Brooke loved to do that. Daddy, ow, those eyebrows. And she'd go (laughs) and pull the rest of them out. You know what I mean? That's all you had to do. And Benjamin, the Bible portrays to us the Benjamin generation is the generation not of addition, but multiplication. God's not going to add, He's going to multiply. Your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your anointing, and everything you touch, he's going to multiply. We're always, we old-timers are addicted to addition. Oh, God, bring somebody to sit in the church. You know, that's addition. And Jesus goes, I'm sorry, you're asking for a crumb, and I want to give you the bakery. Could you get out of addiction? Addiction to addition? <laughs> I know where I'm going. Yeah. The young preachers will learn well. I may just do one button up here like some kind of, I'm hypnotizing you. You See, you don't know that. The Benjamin generation is securely and comfortably seated on God's shoulders. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you standing or sitting? (sighs) Hebrews 10, 11, and 12. One of the most delicious Texts in all of the scripture. Exodus 29 38 and 39 and 42 says that two lambs, a year old, were offered in the morning, the other at twilight, over and over and over and over and over again, over and over and over and over again. Did you know in all the tabernacle and in all the temple and in all the pieces of redemptive furniture, you will never find a chair? Because in the Hebrew scriptures, they were offering the blood of bulls and goats, which by nature can never forgive even one sin. And they would offer the same sacrifices day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out. And all the rivers of blood represented could never forgive one sin. So they had a very frustrating job. A, they could never sit down. Why? Because their work was never over. They were standing and ministering all the time in the temple. Every morning and evening, they're offering sacrifices. They're offering meal offerings. They're offering drink offerings. But they're never able to sit because in obedience to the Father, not the blood of bulls, not the blood of goats, not the blood of pigeons, nothing, no animal that was ever slain could ever forgive sin but there's a little word but (laughs) but there's one man who gave one sacrifice and sat down at the right hand of God the Father forever having cleansed all sin happened once 2,000 years ago the issues settled you never have to offer another sacrifice And the God-man is seated at the right hand of the Father with his feet up on the earth as a comfort stool. So when you wonder who's in control of the universe, he is controlling all things. Hebrews one twelve says he holds all things together by the word of his power. And he's seated in a posture of rest. If the one in charge, he didn't just bring it into being, he holds it in being. He didn't just cause it to come to be. He conservingly causes it, holding it in being as long as it bees. If he ever unbees something and unhooks it, it isn't, including every creature that's ever been made in 100 billion trillion galaxies. And he's running it all from a posture of rest. He's relaxed. Why aren't we? Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. That'll help. Chew all those nails off. Oh, oh, no. He's named every star in 100 billion trillion galaxies, holds all things by the word of his power together, and you are his beloved. He's so in love with you, he can't take his eyes off you. You're his beloved. You, Benjamin, he's got you. He loves you so much, he's got to have you right on his neck just so he knows you're there. So I want to paint a portrait of ease today. Absolute rest. It's Benjamin wearing linen garments sitting on God the Father's neck. This is as easy as it gets. This talk about multiple images of Sabbath rest. The Benjamin generation is a Sabbath rest generation and a generation of multiplication, effortless fruit bearing. Have you ever seen a peach tree go, ah, peach? Hmm. But you still got it in your head that you've got to do some kind of good work that will one day yield peach. And God goes, honey, it's fruit bearing. Just abide in the vine. You don't need to. Well, what do I need to do? I I need nothing. But learn to rest. Put your gaze on him. Sit where you're set. We got people in the church sitting themselves all over the place. Don't sit in my place. Then I can't sit down. Sit where you're set and stay there. The priests had no chairs in the tabernacle or the temple, and they offered the same sacrifices day in, day out, day in, day out. Let me give you just an analogy. Let's fantasize for a minute. Let's say instead of living 70 years that you lived for 1,000 years, and let's say you're a priest. And let's say that you offer that lamb morning and evening every day of your life. First of all, you'd live 365,000 days. And all the people said, Greg doesn't stand a chance. All right. <laughs> but you would have sacrificed 730,000 lambs. And guess what? All those rivers of blood could not forgive one sin. The priests had guaranteed job security. They got up day and night, went in and offered the same, same, same sacrifices, and not one sin was ever remitted or removed. Craig, I'm getting a little depressed. Yeah, you should, because in your strength, offering your sacrifices of good works to God you'll never have a sin covered either. You just multiply your sins. Oh, can we get a little peppy now? Where would Joel kick in? Right here. What a, joke. a treadmill of sacrifice day in, day out. Nothing can happen. Nothing will change. The priests, they they, they just keep standing because there were no chairs for sitting. And then the God-man comes in fulfillment of all of the Hebrew Scriptures and in one sacrifice. He remits every sin, past, present, future, and he sits down. Now I want to, I want to ask you today, are you sitting or standing in your walk, number one? Number two, can you accept your, your accepted? Can, can, please, please, you get nowhere until you realize you are the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. You're not what you have. You're not what you can do. You're not what other people say about you. You're not. It's not left up to you to work yourself on a bicycle and pedal faster so that all your sins disappear. I'll just pedal faster. And Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, weeping, going, I'm praying for you. Why? What are you praying for? All the nasty things I've done? No, that you'll finally realize that you're accepted in the beloved. That my blood covers all of those sins. Have you asked forgiveness? Yeah, a million times a day. You only need to ask once, ever. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry, you're so screwed up in the head. I'm sorry, your God picture is so screwed up. And good news, you're spreading that whack job picture of God to everybody in your life, east, west, north, south, in, out, up, down. Oh, good news. The more screwed up your theology is, the more everyone who chooses to ever be around you and that the numbers are dwindling will be utterly influenced by you. Because if you're not accepted, Benjamin, if you're not seated on the shoulders of the God of heaven, and if you're not in a posture of, of joy, and what a vision you have. You can see so far. It's, it's a delight. He's the giant, and you're the baby sitting on his shoulders. That's the Benjamin generation. Oh, how much fun. How much fun? Could it be? No, this is too much fun. All right, you're getting too rambunctious in there, kids. My dad would say, I'm coming in there. Don't make me come. My dad didn't know what to do with three if he ever counted to three. All right, that's it. One. (laughs) (laughs) Benjamin the Beloved is seated upon God's shoulders, and he's wearing linen garments. And Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Hmm. Come in, sit down. I took care of everything. And if Someone came up to you and said, look, I paid your mortgage. You never need to make another payment. Would you make another payment? Yeah, well, I just don't feel comfortable unless I pay $3,000 a month. Okay. Nutty. Christians are nutty enough to do it. I felt God wanted me to keep paying it. No. It's a rhetorical question. If someone pays your car off, never make another payment. That's the point. Mm. So you never have to pay again. Every month when you get ready to pay that car payment and daddy paid the car off, you don't need to make that payment. So Jesus is saying, if you could just gaze at the fact that I have accepted you, just accept your acceptance and glance, only glance at the devil because he's, he's lying to you. He's saying you're not accepted. Look at what thought went through your mind two hours ago. Hmm. You nasty thing. Beloved, birds, you can't stop them from flying over your head, but you can stop them from nesting in your hair. That's all God asks. You can't ever stop the static. You know, it's like a radio. There's all kinds of stuff flying around. But you don't need to let it rest and put up its name on your forehead and become an, an odd, mean, and hateful bird hat that we all see looking in at your life going, does she know that there's this net? No, she doesn't. Should we tell her? Because there's, there's a man. No, nah, nah, she won't listen. Because she's super good and getting better. I go to a Christian church. I go to a charismatic church. I'm super good and getting better. No, no, no. You have the beast of the fourth seal of revelation. And it lives on you, speaks through you. And all you have to do is knock it off. That's all. Get two Christians, twelve-year-old, half-witted Christian, just say, "Leave her in Jesus' name," and they fall right off, gone. But loved one, the static's always going to be there, right? So don't don't take it personal, you know. Now, really, when you you, you choose to go to a silent Catholic retreat. Hmm? Well, well, let me tell you what's going to happen. First thing that's going to happen is when you never, you don't speak and you go there, you're going to have the worst sexual thoughts you've ever had in your life are just going to pin you to the ground. The nastiest stuff. You, In fact, you don't even, you go, I, don't, I wouldn't even want to do that. Where, where did that come from? You don't want that thought, right? You know God does not want you to have that thought. But there's someone else in the discussion who just keeps bombarding you 24 hours a day with static all you have to do is say no <laughs> yeah i saw that yeah i heard that no i'm just going to put that down you go to the store to buy something you didn't go in to have a full blown sexual temptation and porn film in your head when what's her name walked by or what's his name came in you're going i'm in a film wait a minute In the name of Jesus, you have to bat the hats off, knock off the hat. It'll come by, and you can say things like, how interesting, but uh, no thank you. No thanks. Action. No, I'm not in the film. Thank you. I came to buy chips at Ralph's. Or for God's sake, you're at church. And the worship girl comes out, and it's like, in the name of Jesus, I command (laughs) (laughs) Sheetamaha. All right, all right. I I made some kind of a vow I wouldn't do all this today, that I would just stay where I am supposed to be. Oh. Yeah. The Benjamin generation, they're seated, but they're wearing linen. Now, I want you to notice a little text. Remember, we mentioned about Benjamin, some themes. Let me rethread a few points. When Benjamin effortlessly shows up in Egypt, what? They turned from grain to meat. When Benjamin just shows up and bows with his brothers, all of Joseph's dreams are fulfilled that he dreamt in Genesis 37, verses 7 and 9. When Benjamin shows up, they're seated in their birth order. Absolute chaos is turned to order with Benjamin just showing up. Can you imagine? You could be as dumb as a post, but if you just show up, God just starts doing miracles. Just you being in the room. Miracles. Supernatural power. Order out of chaos. That's how it was with Benjamin. He never even says anything. He just cries all the time. He's with Joseph, and they see each other, and they start sobbing. That's all Benjamin says in his narrative. And when they get together and cry, everybody hears it. Pharaoh hears it. Their tears release and trigger tears of release and reconciliation unlike anything we've ever seen in Scripture. Remember, I read Judah's confession to Joseph last week. That's the longest text of someone speaking in the Bible. And it happens to be a reconciliation restoration text bathed in tears. One teardrop on the page says more than any of the words on the page. Most people don't need your lecture; they need your prayers. If we could just pray first before we go into any kind of a erudite presentation, say, "How could I pray for you? Is there anything that that, that I could pray over?" Everybody will say, "Well, no. What is it? What? What? what how could I?" Pray? Let's pray first and give room for God to move. They asked Quincy Jones how he had so many number one hits. He said, "I do my best, and then I leave a little room for God to move." Why don't we let God move up front before you have to talk us to death? Remember, Mark Twain said, It is a terrible death to be talked to death. And this is your first opportunity to escape. <laughs> Could we let the Holy Spirit have a little room to move? Because that's what they need, is they need, their, they need to cry. You know, any good therapist knows that most people come in needing to cry. Most people come into their their counselor, and the first thing is, Hi, what's your name? My name's Craig. <laughs> and then there's tears. Because they know that's, that's all the beach balls that are pushed down, start coming up. If you go to a therapist, you want to be there. You know, when you see a frog on the top of a 40-foot pole, you know he had help getting there. (laughs) Some places where you wind up, you wind up there because it's intentional. So I know, like a therapist knows, that when you hunger and thirst and ask and knock and come in this door seriously, The Lord will meet you according to your hunger and your thirst. It's not about me. I'm just a piano. Don't shoot the piano player. He's the source. I'm the resource of the moment, but I only function depending on the anointing that's in the room, and that is tied to your hunger and your thirst. It's amazing, beloved. People need to cry safely, securely. So Benjamin and Joseph, that's when they get together. All they do is cry. But those tears are so redemptive. Please give yourself permission to cry. Please, please, to waste the time if you think you're going to pay a therapist and not be willing to cry. You're going to go to a church service bathed in the Holy Spirit where all you can do is sob, and you're going to fight God in his house? Just let it go. But if I start crying I'll never stop. That's a lie. God is not crazy. He knows exactly. He will he'll hurt you. He'll never harm you. He will never let you be publicly humiliated and embarrassed. Just let it go. Well, I'll cry at home. Cry when the spirit releases those tears because you won't have access to them later. That's the thing about the generation of Benjamin, wherever they show up with ease, tears show up too. And these are deep-seated tears. These are deep tears deep cisterns you know oh let me stop there you know what let me just take my liberty my notes are not to bind me sandra i'm not going to necessarily finish these notes none of your business (laughs) (laughs) oh what was that oops (laughs) i'm short of breath (laughs) dennis knows that (laughs) feeling Okay. Um, The Lord recently told me, said, you know, Craig, all of your life, I've been in ministry since I was 16. I'm 62 now. I've been digging cisterns. I've been digging a cistern with my hands, a cistern. What's a cistern? Well, it's something that you dig when God says, dig here. Remember, 120 years, Noah built an ark. For what? Was there an ark barn where you could go and buy? There was never had been a need for an ark, but he was given a weird-looking task. I'm talking to some people. You know you're of the tribe of Benjamin. You know you're of the Benjamin generation if you've been digging an odd cistern in an odd place and doing something equivalent to building an ark. What are you building? It's this really cool ark. You know, it's like, okay, okay. 43 million pounds, 26,000 tons, it took 120 years, and everybody's walking by this work for 120 years going, uh, uh, good, I hope you have a nice day. Some of you have just been faithful to God and you've been building the weird work he's been asking you to build and there doesn't seem to be any utility associated with it. Let me encourage you, keep building keep building because when it started thundering and the first drop of rain dropped, that's not the time to sit down and make your plans. Okay, we're going to start our boat. No, 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 it's too late. Noah did this for 120 years and he did it with the help of his family and one of his kids was a devil. God will use everybody. He can strike a straight blow with a crooked stick. Mm Mm-hmm. So I've been digging th- these spiritual cisterns all my life. And, and this was a paradigm shift for me. I'm just telling you, when you know a paradigm shift when you're looking at something one way and, and you just, it's not the duck, it's the rabbit. It's like, oh my God, it's a rabbit. No, it's a duck. You know, that's a paradigm shift. And I've been digging faithfully where God has told me to dig, but I had had a false expectation. I was thinking that if I dug, I would find gold, or I would find silver, or I would find oil, or I would find jewels, or I would find something. Because everybody else I hear that digs digs for something. you know? Yeah, it took a long time. We finally hit that vein of gold. I haven't hit anything. And the Lord recently spoke to me, and he said, honey, I didn't ever tell you to dig for anything. I just told you to dig. Thank you. I'm thinking, yeah, but I thought, yeah, you thought you heard some stupid sermon. Please cut down your sermons. Please. I beg you in the name of the Lord. Get fed, but don't listen to everyone that counter-refutes everything you just heard. You hear nine sermons, and eight of them refute the ninth guy. And then they all gang up and kill the third guy. (laughs) God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in all the churches. I've been digging, and you've been digging some cisterns. Here's the good news. I remember the first time I went to Egypt, we went to the tomb of Ramses. Uh, no, it was Seti the First. Yeah, it was Seti the First. It's so deep, it just keeps going. It's, just, it's, it's spooky deep. And then when, when, when there's debris blocking everything up, it goes on another 450 feet. Now that's a cistern as the old-timers used to say. Now that be a cistern. But I was so impressed to think of all of that length and all of that capacity to hold what, I don't know. But all I can tell you is the cistern that you've been digging all throughout your life faithfully before God and it's taken all these years to get as deep as you've gotten will be filled in a moment. How long does it take to fill a 450-foot cistern? A moment. But it took me forever. I'm turning to bone dust. My handicapped boy, Michael, now, oh, lovely. He grinds his teeth. Let me see. He can't walk. He can't. I know. Maybe he'll start grinding his teeth. And my daughter, Brooke, says, no bone soup, Michael. Don't you keep making bone soup. So we get this picture of him grinding and just blowing whoosh, clouds of bone. <laughs> what is he talking about? All right God, it's all right. When I don't sleep at night, you get a better message. <laughs> Pray my organic sleep pills don't help. Yeah, I go to Whole Foods; they quit handling them. Hi, where are the green organic sleep? We don't handle them anymore. It's like, oh God, I'm sorry. So now we have to go to Sprouts. No, oh, anyway. Now he's grinding his tea. I've been digging all my life. A cistern waiting for what? I don't know. He could may fill it with diamonds at 450 feet. He may fill it with oil. He may fill it with, no, Dexter wouldn't. No, no, no I shouldn't. here, Whatever. He wants to fill my cistern with. He can. Take your liberty, Lord. I'm your servant. Do you see, though, it takes so long to dig something that God can fill in a moment. You're about to come to the season of your life where he's going to fill your cistern up, and it's going to be something that'll shock you. It's going to be like with honey or something. It's like, honey? See, he's always surprising us. I only dug that cistern for little baby Bibles. From John MacArthur's ministry. And they alone are allowed in this. Oh, shut don't tell God what to put in your cistern. He'll put, he'll put Bud Light in your cistern. You have a problem with that? <laughs> See, what's taken you a whole lifetime is gonna now get really easy overnight. Now, I just want to release you to fantasize and dream. I want you to dream what blessing could God bring into your life that you don't get a foot of but you get 450 feet deep of wall to wall Holy Ghost top to bottom double dose of the Holy Ghost from coast to coast dream dream Benjamin dream bigger you want the crumb God wants to give you the bakery sorry that's what's going on right now it's an internal struggle between your crumminess Oh, Jesus, give me a crumb. God, give me a crumb. What other weird religious thing can I do? Give me a crumb. Ah! Can you add any more religious nonsense? And he wants to give you the bakery? It's Willy Wonka, the original. (laughs) It's Johnny Depp. What the? The original. I've got a golden ticket. I've got a golden ticket. up in the sky. I never thought that I would be I Remember that? I saw a gold ticket. I touched Veruca Salt's golden ticket <laughs> in, in a museum that my friends run. And I just mm-hmm. said, excuse me, could I step over? There's no one in. It's an underground home run museum, size of a football field. And I asked permission to step over the rope. You know. And they said, Craig, we own the place. And there are cameras everywhere. You can. So I just touched the golden ticket for a moment. And I touched that jacket that Gene Wilder wore. They own that too. Oh, I thought it died, went to heaven. asked me off camera about that. That was a load of fun. I'm telling you. I'm all by myself. But wouldn't it be wonderful if we could just pretend that there's a golden ticket and it's got your name on it and you're gonna open up the next candy bar, and there it is. And what's the whole theme of the bloody movie if you haven't seen it? Spoiler alert Charlie Bucket gets the whole thing. All the other kids have an I-it relationship with Willie. They have a subject-object relationship. They want to use and manipulate him to get his stuff, namely chocolate. But they all want like a chocolate the size of a Chevy, right? Little Charlie Bucket's humble. He loves Willie for Willie. He has an i thou relationship with Willy Wonka. And guess what? At the end, he tests him, and he passed the test, and he says, Charlie, you did it. It's all yours! And they go up in the elevator and it takes off and oh, I cry every single time. It came out in 1971 when I was 30. I never thought that I could be because I've got a golden ticket. It's exciting. I watched that movie, and I, I'm crying. And Arwen, I showed it to Arwen when she's two. She's sobbing at the end. I'm sobbing at the end. And I know what's going to happen. But here's the good news. What if it's a season where the Lord is going to give you your golden ticket? What if you've already got it? What if you still want the crumb, and you'd be happy with the crumb, but he wants to give you the whole chocolate factory? It's like, what? And can my parents come and live here? Of course! Can grandma and grandpa and the weird people that live in the bed no way in hell (laughs) sammy there's nowhere to go i just have to stay where i am keep digging i know i know (laughs) what if it's possible benjamin that you're really accepted and you're really seated on the Father's neck and you're really, you don't even have to walk in this next move of God. In fact, why did the priests wear linen underwear? Because they were not allowed to sweat in the service of the Lord. And all the priests were commanded to wear only linen garments. And linen garments only come through an exhaustive process. But I want you to notice our text when we moved in today I haven't gotten to it yet. Genesis 45, 22. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. Benjamin was given five sets of linen clothing, which showed the favor he had in the eyes of Joseph. And notice five sets of clothes that offset his brothers because he is trying to test them and tempt them to see if they're going to betray Benjamin out of jealousy and envy like they betrayed him. Loved one, did you know people can change? Rarely, but they can change when God's involved. And Joseph's brothers were so jealous of his coat of many colors they were so horribly jealous that the father leaned his full weight of utter favor upon Joseph that it incited the green-eyed monster envy. You know envy and jealousy. They shouldn't have that. I should have that. Hey, I just got a new car. I need a new car. How come they got a new car? <laughs> you got a new car. I got a new car. Envy, jealousy, green-eyed monster. It comes up all the time. Mm-hmm. Do you know... Women don't dress for men, they dress for women. In the fashion world. Mm-hmm. Women, you, you, men still don't understand, right? They ogle at something. But you can take in more with one gaze, one of them feminine gazes, you know, reach down for your purse. And you've seen the whole universe to the atomic particles of being. we have to come in, you know, like with our ogle, gla- our ogle glasses on and zoom in on something and stand and stare. You just see everything. And then you start dismissing everything with a critical sense of who does she think she is. I wish she was worth as much as her shoes. I wish, And is that a real bag? I mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the internal critic that just sort of levels everything and everyone? OK, I'm not speaking to any of you here. I'm talking about them, those pagan others out there. Amen. I'm with Shannon and Michael. we at the Natural Cafe. And there were two Westlake girls, bless their hearts. They both had the same, all the same work done, same doctor. I know the doctor. Dr. Schmidt? Yes, how did you know? They're all <laughs> right? And Shannon and I were with a table with the handicapped child, a table for two and a half, right? <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I order. And they go, oh, my God, he's the 2.5 child that you always hear about in the family. <laughs> and they're always wondering what that kid, you know, it's like, come here, 0.5. But anyway, so we're in there with Michael, and Shannon has a knockoff Gucci bag, right? And these two... They're still women. The plastic hasn't overridden their actual being. But, but it's close. And they are like with Shannon, is that real? And Shannon is like, is any part of you real? She said, under her breath. <laughs> they went, what? I went, oh, they haven't had their ears done yet. Uh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very real. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. We live in an age that thrives on envy. All social media exists to make you uncomfortable with what you have. Oh, you have that car, don't you? But what you need is that the all social media it involves advertising. All advertising is rooted in you becoming overwhelmed with the discontentment you have. You have a man. Well, what about this one? You have, you know, the grass isn't greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. But I'm telling you what, this whole world exists to make you dissatisfied with everything you have so that you want more. And so envy and jealousy is just right, right near the surface. Even in the middle of worship, you're going, where did she get that outfit? will! oh my God. <laughs> we're going to hell. <laughs> I'm sitting in a worship service, and my friend is going, I- is, that a, is that watch real? I said, yeah, that's a $25,000 watch right there. Who cares? We're in the worship service. Envy and jealousy. Let me tell you something. The, the Benjamin generation is going to be so effortly and flawlessly given favor. They are going to so succeed without effort that it's going to incite any vestige of jealousy and envy that is still in anybody in the room. And when that comes up, just let it come up and out. Don't say, well, that that wasn't in me, was it? Yes, dear, yes. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> did that come out of my body? Yes. Yeah. Yes, it did see Benjamin's favor is so visible he gets five times the linen garments five in the Bible is a number of favor and grace the fifth time David's name is mentioned he gets favor with Saul the fifth time Ruth's name is mentioned she gets favor with Boaz he has five times the linen garments of his brothers why to incite what's still left. God's still wanting to clean his people up. Amen? Let him use you. Oh, you beautiful glowing thing on the shoulders of Jesus. Let him use you to bring the last little bit of envy and jealousy out and surface it in that relationship so you can scap it off. Because you know what? It's still there. Every guitar player is jealous of some other guitar player. What was that story, David? Uh, what's his name? The, Jimmy, uh, Jimi Hendrix uh, and... Uh, the Eric Clapton story, right? Eric Clapton, the best guitar player in the world, you know, Clapton is God. I guess he saw Hendrix once and just wanted to go kill himself. Love one, there are some people so pretty, so beautiful, so talented, so gifted that you just look at them and your first thought is jumping off of something. <laughs> just be on the curb. Don't take the bait of Satan. But did you know what? I believe there's going to be a Renaissance spirit about the Benjamin generation. People say, I'm going to, in I, 30 days, I'm going to be in, in Rome. And every step you take, you trip over a Renaissance masterpiece and stuff that we have not been able to do since the 1500s. Where is that? Where? Where's Da Vinci? Where's Michelangelo? Where's Botticelli? Where's Bernaleschi? where are these people? I think they're the Benjamin generation is what I think. I think in music, in worship, in art, in every conceivable expression, we're going to see a rise of of a renaissance of excellence and magnificence that is just going to be undeniable. I can make a modern art. Blindfold me, let me spit up some blue paint (laughs) and hang it upside down in the Met. I can sell that for $150,000. I'm talking about Michelangelo. Where are the piazzas? He's 21 years old. I'm going to make the greatest piece of marble that's ever been or ever will be. And he did at 21. And I'm going, oh, look at this. And it, all the American tourists want to know where the food is. Is there any food here in St. Peter's? No. No, there's no food. You'll have to go outside. Then I'm going to Florence. And I'm going to be in the Uffizi Museum. I'm the only one that they really do follow around and talk into their hand. Because when I see pieces, I go, oh, oh, it's like Jerry Lewis. Oh, my god, look at this. They go, watch the guy <laughs> They're always following me. Last time I was in Rome in the airport, <laughs> we're in a tiny baby airport waiting to go somewhere. I, I blocked it. I don't know where it was. But they, they took, I've just got one little bag. and And for some reason, I must have a looming presence because they came over and threw me up against the wall. I said, you're only going to find a Bible in there and a few collectibles the Lord told me to take. No, 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 I'm kidding. (laughs) I think it was the Lord. It was a voice. It was an impression. I don't remember. Yeah, get that all out of your system, you, you heathen. Do you know there was a house called the House of Ashbeah? And it was a house of linen weavers. And I prophesy the rise of the house of Ashbeah. God is raising up skilled Renaissance quality. I'm talking spirit, soul, body, emotionally, mentally, artwork, every expression. But most of all, God's Renaissance artwork, namely reconstructive signs and wonders and recreative miracles. How'd you like to see that in a frame? Yeah, I want to go to Rome and I want to go to Florence, but I'd also like to see somebody with no arms and no legs grow those on and run out. That's the kind of Renaissance technique I'm talking about, the excellence. But it's going to be effortless. It's not going to... They used to call me Craig the leg grower. I'm letting you in, so you need to be respectful. In 1976, I don't know why it was, But everyone that had a back problem came to me and I'd sit them in a chair and I'd pray and God would lengthen their legs like trombones, like there would be a shoe that's like this much of a lift. You know those weird looking shoes. (laughs) With a handicapped kid, I love that stuff. I go into the bootleg local place and go, oh look at that let me see that big huge shoe over there. (laughs) It's true. I was in there the other day getting special socks for the airplane. You know, they just like load me up with stuff. And um But I don't know why I never really asked for that gift, but everybody that had a weird shoe, they'd come in like a five inch, you know, difference. And I'd sit them down and I command the leg to grow in the name of Jesus and it would just drop out like a trombone. So now this is fun because I'd have the, I'd say, do we have any skeptics or agnostics or atheists in the room? And they'd go, Mm -hmm. yes. I'd say, you come here. Two of you come here. I'd say, you grab the top of the leg. You grab the bottom. So they grab the leg like this, right? So when I command it to grow in the name of Jesus, it goes <clears throat> like this, and they're right in their, under their hands, and they feel the bone and everything. And the person that it happens to is going, ah! <laughs> I'm saying, uh, that'll be $35,000. Just kidding. <laughs> it was again. Now, if I prayed for you and you had cancer, you died in front of me had no gift in any other department but this Craig the leg grower. So they called me Craig the leg grower. So I'd go into the daisy club, and they'd go, Hey, Craig the leg grower, leg grower, come over here. I want to introduce you to my friends, you know. And they were always the weird friends with the little shoe, you know. And they'd see me and start backing out, always oh, going to put me in a chair, and I did. And it, every time, not once did it not grow out. Well, that was like a, it stopped. It stopped in 1979. I don't know. What? (laughs) Honey, if I could, I'd I'd be on my prayer yacht right now on my prayer jet, not praying for any of you. (laughs) Shh. If it's God's will, it'll be done. I don't need to pray. (laughs) Now, that was like a resident gift. I, I didn't appreciate it then. It sounds a little stupid when I tell you the story, but I'll tell you what. When you see people get a touch like that personally and it's their leg... And those two atheists came to Christ. When you see a renaissance move of God, instead of painting or drawing or sculpting, he does a recreated miracle in somebody's body. That's going to go a long way to them listening to your gospel message. Did you know the whole book of Acts? They never preach until there's a prelude of a miracle. There's a sign, a wonder, a move of the spirit, and then everybody goes, what? And then you talk. You earn the right to be heard over every religion in the world. You learn the right to present the favor of Christ, and I believe we're living in a time, Benjamin, where Benjamin, I did, you're just going to see every kind of Renaissance miracle. They'll have all the other stuff too. Did you ever wonder where it's gone? When you watch documentaries on the Renaissance, you go, "What happened?" I want to pray for you right now. Beloved, if you're on the treadmill of sacrifice, maybe you're like those ancient priests. Maybe you're just, you're standing in the temple. You have nowhere to sit. You're tired. You're exhausted. You've been offering sacrificial blood that can never forgive sin. And so you can never sit down. And the enemy has tormented you day and night with an idea of works. Do more. Do, 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 do. The law says do. The gospel says done. Which one do you want? Do you want to be standing or do you want to be seated? You could know this your whole Christian life and you're still standing, waiting for something. Sit down, beloved. Sit down between his shoulders. Yeah, he's going places, but you don't even need to walk. He's going to walk. He's going to take you. And you just enjoy the view. Enjoy the view. Your golden ticket is coming. Charlie Bucket. There's one more golden ticket in the whole world. What are the odds? They're impossible, but he's going to get you that golden ticket. But there's so many people that have a golden ticket. Yeah, but you know what? They're all I-Itting God. They're using him. You I thou him. You love him for who he is. You're going to get the whole chocolate factory. But the Lord has to do some adjusting in your soul right now. Father, forgive us of our, of our crumminess, Lord, our crummy mentality. we're we're desperate to have a crumb. We're begging you and genuflecting and and walking on glass on our knees trying to get a crumb, and you want to give us the bakery. You've already bought the bakery, and it's in our name, and yet we will not reach our hand out and receive and accept the golden ticket, God. Father, I pray for all my precious sisters that have been waiting waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and digging, and digging, and digging cisterns. They don't even know for what. They don't even know what they're looking for. You're not looking for anything. You're just building something that Christ can fill. He's just going to fill up your precious life, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, because it is the Benjamin season of favor and grace for you. Father, we pray for your sons right now, sons of Adam that have been... They're so gifted and talented, and they're so precious, but they haven't seen the bullseye yet. They're to aim at. They don't quite know where they're going, Lord. They they don't know which of ten lanes to run in. But Lord, thank you. You're narrowing the lanes even now to your Benjamins, so that they will have one lane and one direction to go in. It. It's going to get easy. It's going to get simple. You get the principle. Linen is a garment that doesn't allow you to sweat. The work you're going to do in the future is not going to produce sweat in your own strength and your own ability and your own talent and your own gifts and your own opinion. And that's all sweat producing. God says, I don't want you to sweat in my presence ever. I don't want you to ever sweat in my service, Benjamin. Oh, it's going to be easy. Father, I speak a release and a relief to everyone who's borne a burden in this house right now. To everyone watching me, God. God that you would cut off every 60-pound backpack of stones they've been running up and down the hills with. Cut it off, Lord. Cut off the burdens. The man-made yokes that we put on ourselves, Lord. Forgive us. We give them back. Lord, others have imposed yokes on us we've accepted that we're not to bear. You said, I have an easy yoke. Take it upon you, and you will find rest for your soul because I'm meek and gentle at heart. Lord, we pray you, you, you. it is the anointing that breaks the yoke, Lord. Let the presence of your oil right now cause every yoke that we've imposed upon ourselves allowed to be put on us that isn't of you to slip off in Jesus' name right now. Come off false yokes in Jesus' name. Yokes that we've made in our own ignorance, we rebuke those yokes to slide off. Put the oil on, let them slide off today and fall to the ground in the name of Jesus' It's an effortless series ahead of event after event after event that's going to bless and bless and bless and deliver and deliver and deliver. And Lord, we thank you for the process that your lambs have gone through that have turned them from flax into linen. Oh, it's been long, arduous, but they're white, shiny, effortless linen. Thank you being the linen maker, Jesus. Thank you for your red blood that gave us white linen coverings. Someone say amen this morning. Can you thank God that you can sit down because he sat down? Can you thank God that it's an effortless position? You know, Dennis said something one time that just changed my whole perspective. and, You know, paradigm shift. Every time you talk to Dennis, it's paradigm shift. But he was talking about King David. Remember, for 16 years, David was hunted by Saul day and night. He, had, he was running everywhere, had a contract put on him. For 16 years, he's running everywhere. Now, he was successful in his battles. But it says when he came to Hebron, that he sat down for the first time on a throne with his back up against the throne. He was still doing warfare. He was still fighting the enemy, but it was a whole new game because he was taking the enemy from a posture of rest, giving orders. God has so ordered your life, honey, it's going to be that much of a paradigm shift. You've just been running around with nothing covering your back just every second, you know? But you're going to have a throne to sit on now, and and you're going to lead from the center. From a posture of rest. And you're still fighting a war, but oh, you're taking it to the devil now. Now he's not running you around, you're running him around. You can just sit on that throne in a posture of rest and get your sniper rifle up. My stepson was taught that American sniper stuff for six years. He said, Oh, when you get that big, it's that big rifle from me to the camera. And you watch people for days and they have no idea. That their their life is in your hands, but did you know God can place other people's lives in the hands of His Benjamins because He trusts them? You're not going to shoot any target He doesn't tell you to shoot. When He tells you to shoot it, how He tells you to shoot it. The the one thing about angels in the Bible I love—they show up, they do what they're told, and they leave immediately. Be more like an angel. Show up, do what you're told, and leave. Don't interpret it. Please, we don't need you. Just show up, do what you were told, and leave. Thank you, Father. Bless your holy name. And David is going to bring the very symbol of this. David, I don't know if you have Hebrews 10 open there, but David's bringing a table that represents for all of us what it meant for the priests that saw sacrifices every 730,000 in a lifetime. Rivers of blood, not one sin covered. And if you're not depressed enough by that, you should cry out immediately for a savior. Religious works will never save you, beloved. Do this and live the law commands but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better word the gospel brings. It bids me fly and gives me wings. Amen. Come on up, David.
2: Wow. What a word from the Lord. Woo! Yeah. Man. You're accepted by God the Father because of God the Son. That is the fruit of the gospel. The absolute fruit of the... Oh, thank you, He always has to remind me. My voice is so loud that I usually don't have to have a microphone. But for those of at home, I just was saying just how amazing that word from Pastor Craig was. Because we are accepted by the Father through our faith in God the Son. That is the essence of the gospel. And it's so amazing. It has a direct tie to the table of the Lord. So often... We think we have to come to the table of the Lord to be accepted. But it's actually a celebration that we're already accepted. Your sins are already forgiven. Jesus already sacrificed his body for yours to be healed. Isn't that cool? It's so great. So we're going to celebrate that today. As you get your elements together, I was just thinking about the amazing prophecies in Isaiah. Isaiah about what Jesus would do for us to make us accepted. And I want to read a little bit of Isaiah 54, 9, verse 10, because God promises that he'll never be angry with you because of what the Messiah has done. All through the previous chapter, God talks about how the Messiah would suffer and allow his body to be broken, that yours would be healed. And then, in the next chapter, he talks about that he'll never be angry with you because of what the Messiah has done. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you or rebuke you. Isn't that great? So many Christians think that when they go off course that God is going to use sickness or injury to to teach him a lesson. That's warped. That's wrong. He died and had his bro- body be broken so that yours would be healed. So let's break the bread. Let's receive that right now in Jesus' name and partake. Likewise in Isaiah 54, verse 11, it says that Jesus the Messiah would shed his blood for the remission of sins and for guilt. And therefore, no matter what, God is not going to be angry with you again or rebuke you. Because it it goes on to say in Isaiah 54, "My my kindness shall not depart from you, nor my covenant of peace be removed. That's the new covenant that Jesus established in his blood. So just receive that today. Let's partake, beloved, beloved of the Lord. You are accepted by Father God, your Father, because of the sacrifice of His Son. And let's let's just enjoy, enjoy His sacrifice, enjoy the table of the Lord. In Jesus' name.
0: We hope today's message has been a blessing to you, and if it has please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.